Welcome back to another episode of Your Favorite Cousins. We are back with episode two of season two. I hope you had a chance to listen to our first episode back of 2020. Um, just in case you don't remember, I'm Cousin Lee. We have... Cousin Sean on the line. What's I thought that? I was going to be me too. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Y'all know y'all gotta say the best for last. Oh y'all know always gotta go last. So stop playing. Hey. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump right into it. I think we got we have a lot to unpack. Or really try to do it in in under an hour. Um, so big thing that we are definitely talking about tonight. Um this past week, week and a half, has been very interesting. Big story of the week was Gail King's interview with Lisa Leslie. Okay. So you pretty much had to be under a rock to miss this. So during the interview, Gail um, interviewed Le- uh, Lisa Leslie. <clears throat> and during the interview, she was asking her questions about Kobe Bryant's legacy. And she brings up the rape charge filed against Kobe Bryant back in 2013. So I was just, I was really shocked at first that Gail brought that up when she was talking about Kobe Bryant's legacy, considering, you know, his recent death and, you know, everything is still so fresh. I was really kind of shocked that she brought it up. And I think that Lisa Leslie was a little shocked too. So when I looked at the clip, I think Lisa Leslie was so classy when she responded to um, Gail's questions and she really didn't feed into the question too much. She let Gail know that that isn't the Kobe that I knew And she couldn't respond to that. She couldn't give an effective response to Gail probing that issue on those charges back from 2013. After that clip came out, people were livid with Gail for assumingly disrespecting Kobe and his family during this tragic time. So everything just started. The Internet started going crazy, you know, with... um, you know, people talking about Gail and how inappropriate it was, just going on and on and on and on. Then <laughs> it's so much like it. Everything just really like I don't know about y'all, but it like really caught me off guard. Like I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Right. It's like everything just crazy at one time. So it's like she's asking these questions, and Lisa Leslie, like I said, she was so classy in her response and basically not feeding into it and saying basically, you know, the media needs to let it go. You know, that's not the guy that I knew. That's not his legacy. Let's not paint this out to be that. Um. Now, at first, I was mad at Gail that she asked those questions. But then when I thought about it, I was like, that's what journalists do. Right. And so her asking the question wasn't wrong. But here's where she went wrong. Two places Gail went wrong with this. The first, she went wrong in the fact that she asked the question and she brought it to the table as a journalist does. But the way that she probed the question. She didn't happened. let it go. She kept she didn't pushing. let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept probing it, and I think that if Lisa Leslie would have fed into the probing, that would have that line of questioning that she was the way she probed the question was almost like she was trying to bait Lisa Leslie. Right. And the line of questioning would have led to salacious follow-ups. Right. Then it would have just gotten a whole lot messy, messier than it was. And I think that Lisa Leslie handled the question well. But what did you guys think when... So, my other thing about it is um, I was talking to a friend and she was like, did you watch the whole interview? That clip was 90 seconds in an hour-long thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it was taken out of context. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that that wasn't the focus of her interview with Lisa Leslie, who was Kobe's best friend. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just interesting how people ran with it and they weren't fully informed about what the whole interview, you know, was, was fully about. And... If you watch the whole interview, that wasn't even a blip on the radar of what the the interview was about, you know? And I understand editing and things like that. Like, it was like you ran with something and you weren't fully educated about how well she talked about her best friend, you know? Okay, so let me ask you this, since you you brought it to, from that perspective, do you think that even... 
even though that that was a small blip of the whole interview, do you feel that that was something that could have been left out altogether? Oh, of course it could have been left out, but it was 60 seconds, 90 seconds of the whole discussion. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, you, I mean, I think people ran with it and it wasn't, it wasn't important. And I mean, Gail also said that the way they edited it um, was also more sensationalized, but um she said Lisa Leslie ended with something that said, and that's it, or that's all, mm-hmm. or, or something she said mm-hmm. um, kind of to end it, and they cut that part out. So I think Well, no, it they was didn't handled... cut that part out. Oh, okay. They didn't cut that part out. So they did show her ending it, saying basically that the media just needs to leave it alone, right. and that's it. Right. So, yeah. but, I, but I don't think it was the editing so much so than the fact that it just happened. Right. And then, and, and I'll go and I'll give Nadia a chance to to say her piece, but that was that's my point of what the second place that she went wrong at with that video she right. posted. Apology, but right. go ahead now before we get to that. I I kind of feel like what Gail did was the reason why she probed Lisa so much was she was trying to do what she did to R. Kelly and get a reaction. Right. Mm-hmm. So the way she, when she interviewed R. Kelly and she kept asking him all those questions she was asking him and she got that big reaction and then she got that her contract renegotiated to where she's making so much more money now because she did that interview with R. Kelly. So now she figured, okay, if she could do another interview and get somebody just to say something or get somebody to give her the reaction that she needs, then that'll be her big interview. And then come the end of the year, she can say, well, look, I did that interview two weeks or a week and a half after Kobe died. A week, died. it was a week. Yeah, a week after Kobe died. Yeah. I got this big interview right. and I got this person to say, you know, what everybody was thinking or to, or to you know, dwell or to speak on something you guys need to give me more money because I'm getting these interviews and I'm getting these reactions I mean that is her job she is a journalist and sometimes journalists have to push and whatever Mm -hmm. but I think you know I think it was definitely it was too soon I mean too soon is relative I mean you know I, I, I saw people's reaction who were victim of rape seeing Kobe's picture plastered all over that that all over the internet and praised mm-hmm. and whatever. So we can't really say it's too soon because we can't continue to sweep things under the rug. If that was the the facts of the situation, the assault, the choking, the whatever, we have to handle it. So everything can't be too soon, da 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 because if it was your granddaddy and your granddad, and you finally had the courage on at your grandfather's funeral to say, hey, he touched me. Is it too soon to deal with that trauma that you went through? We can't well, say. Here's the it, thing. It's, it's not up to us to say it's too soon. I mean, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't necessary in that interview for her to talk about it because Lisa Leslie wasn't involved. Maybe well, if, she had a, if she had an interview with old girl who dropped mm-hmm. a lawsuit, then maybe that's fine. You talk to the victim if the victim wanted to be spoken to. But Lisa Leslie wasn't there and you know that's his best friend and they've been together since they got both got drafted into the league. Kind of just leave it alone because she wasn't there. So if she had asked well, I me think the that's same the thing, I would have been like, I wasn't there. I don't know and I don't know that man. So well, that's I didn't the part that, that you're saying. Yeah, and that's that's what she said. Right. That's that's exactly what she said. But I'm just said, saying, I like, I don't think movie. the idea of it being too soon. Maybe it was the wrong person to have the conversation with because Lisa Leslie wasn't involved. But maybe if there was another person who was uh, a victim of rape or assault or something like that, you can have that conversation. But Leslie, Lisa Leslie, didn't know that man, and I I agree with that part. She's like, I don't know that perspective of man that he would hurt a fly. And it's not dismissing the charges or doing whatever. It's just being honest that I never saw that side of him. 
So but I think you, okay, you, you, make an inter- you make an interesting point in saying that, you know, what is too soon or when is when when do we deal with it? I think it's something that's already been dealt with. Right. This happened in 2003. Right. right. This, I mean, and, yeah. and when it was happening yeah. and when it was happening, it was everywhere. Right. It was everywhere. Right. It was on TV. It was in the news. It was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape the, the photos. You couldn't escape anything that was going on at that time when Kobe was on the hot seat for this issue. So I, I think, too, again, even though it happened and even though it might be triggering for someone that has had that type of experience, to 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 put it in a light to say that that's his legacy. That's not right. his legacy, right? Uh, right. And I think, right. and I think and that, that was, that's that the part. That's that, not yeah, his. Legacy. I think yeah, the the use of the word was... legacy, like that's not what he's gonna leave behind. He's gonna leave behind mm-hmm. his work ethic and things like that. And I mean, I don't really know what she was going for with that, but you know, unfortunately, people got that small <laughs> clip and ran mm-hmm. with it. And the overall interview was such a good interview, minus that portion. Minus that part. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, that, that that's where I think they that, went wrong. That right there. If they would have showed part, more of it. Her talking, about, right. her talking about, you know, what happened in two, 2003 was too soon to talk about. Not, you know, just talking about the incident in general, because that's, that's a part of what happened in his career. So that's always going to be a part of his life and his story but I just think being as though it was talked about a week after he died I think it was just too soon to be talked about because but, like but I that, think I that, think the problem was was the term legacy like that's not going to be his legacy his legacy is not going to be this 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 rape case that was dismissed that was whatever like that that's yeah, not going to be his legacy yeah, I'm just his saying, legacy you know, is going to be his worth the, work ethic his rings his you know the teams that he started like all those things that he he did but I don't think that she should have used that word legacy because that's not what we're going to remember him by but I think the next part is also that like like I was saying my second issue that I had with this where I think Gail went wrong is her coming back with the video criticizing CBS right on how they promoted the recent interview now here's my part true you may have had an hour to talk to Lisa Leslie and that clip was a very minuscule part of that interview. She came back with this video criticizing CBS for how they promoted the video, the interview that she had with Lisa Leslie. And it wasn't the fact that that small minuscule part was that it was a, such a small part. It's the fact that you still said it. I don't care if it took 30 seconds, if it took 60 seconds, 90 seconds, you still said it. Right. And the way that you probed it you still did it. Right. So it doesn't matter how they spent, how, how, what kind of spin or what kind of editing or whatever you, you put still on it. it. it still you still said it. And, right. the, and the thing is, the only reason it didn't go any further is because Lisa Leslie did not feed right. it. Right. So what I was going to say, you know, is we all can get, we can all agree that there's a journalistic integrity to consider here. And there's a code of ethics that's centered around cultivating public trust uh, and fairness, integrity, independence, accountability, all those things. And as a journalist, as, as Gail being a journalist, she's vowing that she's going to seek the truth and that she's going to ask the hard questions and she's going to hold people accountable. And there's nothing wrong with that. So for that reason, I understand why she asked the question. My issue is how she probed it after Lisa Leslie answered her question. Right. And she probed the question like she was trying to bait her. That could have led to such a salacious line of questioning. That whole interview could have turned into something yeah. else. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is the issue. So it's not, and I think that Gail messed herself up because she came back seeking sympathy of some sort to say hey i'm i'm mad too this happened you know she's criticizing cbs they this is bad editing i'm appalled why are you appalled gail because you knew you said it right you right. knew you said mm-hmm. it right. and that's where i was like come on gail now you should have sat back and said nothing and just let it blow over so we're gonna move on to the next point which is she comes back with this apology and let's get on my man Snoop. Now, anybody that know me, <laughs> let me tell you, I got to put this plug out. Anybody that know me, I think in my former life, I was from 
Cali, <laughs> probably from Long Beach or Inglewood or somewhere in the early 90s in my uh, former life. In my mind, I'm from Cali in my former life in the early 90s because I love in the low rider. Yes, in the low rider and all of that. Like in my mind, like I, it's just something about early 90s West Coast rap that I was so into. So I think in one of my former lives, I'm from Cali. But anybody that saying all that to say, anybody that know anything about me, know how much I love I ride for Snoop. I love Snoop. Right. Like he's like one of my favorite rappers. So when Snoop came on the scene, and you know he's mad and you know this is a family show so I ain't gonna get all into what he said but he he got on IG mad because Gail had said these things and he called her a funky dog head B B dot 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 so he said that and the crowd went wow so he's mad so then the whole narrative turned from right. Gail doing this interview to oh now she's you're a- disrespecting Gail right. now she's a right. B now we're attacking black women. Yeah. Now, the threats, the now she's threats getting threats and all, and all these things. things. Mm. Yeah. So it turned into from Gail disrespecting Kobe to Snoop disrespecting Gail. Now I'm gonna say this piece. Now, do I feel like Snoop was right? Absolutely not. It was not right that he called that lady that. Now, did I laugh? Absolutely did, because I did think <laughs> it was funny. Now, I looked at Snoop coming from a place of passion about it because of the relationship that he had with Kobe. So that is where I understood why he went there. And that's why I didn't jump on the bandwagon of, Oh, he ain't right. He disrespected that man hurt. And you said something about his friend and he probably said what Lisa Leslie was thinking when you're sitting there, somebody's talking about your friend in such a negative way and you don't hear it. All he saw was the clip just like the rest of us. Right. He didn't watch the whole thing. He didn't watch the whole thing. So he saw what we saw and he responded the way he responded out of passion because of his love for his friend. Right. So but my problem was it was like it definitely went too far. You mm -hmm. know, and he's trying to come back and say he didn't threaten her. But he said, you know, basically shut your mouth or we're going to take care of you. That's a threat. Mm -hmm. That's a threat of violence. Like that wasn't like a you know, you, you, everybody knows we are a people that will pull up. So, mm-hmm. oh, oh, somebody did something to your kid? Auntie's going to pull up at school. Auntie's going to handle it. We're not a people that are like, oh, let's just, you know, let the, let the authorities handle it. Let's just let, no. If somebody does something, we're going to handle it. We're going to shut you up. And that's where I think it, went, it, it wasn't that serious. Because are you are you going to do that to everybody else? Are we doing that to, you know, other journalists? Are we doing that to a Barbara Walters or somebody? We going to ride up. We going to ride up on, on Barbara Walters and pull up on her. No, I pull up on Barbara Walters. <laughs> <laughs> but like Barbara we can't. We like can't. Ninety-eight years old. We stop. can't. We can't pull up. <laughs> we joking. can't threaten violence. <laughs> Just because we didn't like what somebody says. And I think that that was the problem. We know what kind of life Snoop lives, what kind of people he used to hang out mm-hmm. with. And people in Long Beach are, are going to... They ride. They, they ride. ride. They ride. They and ride. they will do whatever. They ride. And I think it's also, you know, they were, everybody was angry because... Oprah and Gail keep coming after black men. Well, hold, pause that before yeah, cause I, we got yeah, we got right. we gonna we gonna hit that part. Okay. I think Nikki joined us. Hi, okay. hi, cousin Nick. Hi, I am here. Okay, so you can jump in the conversation. Anything okay. to say? <laughs> I'm just listening for now. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, so I guess, well, since I brought it up, we could go ahead and skate to the next thing. We know that people in Cali going to ride for Snoop, and it all it takes is one ignorant person to take something that he said right. and go too far with it. So right. we can all agree on that. So here, after that response, that is what triggered the next piece that Nye is talking about, which is that it went from Gail doing an interview, Gail apologizing, Snoop attacking Gail, Everybody attacking Snoop for saying disrespectful things to Gail. Then it turned to, wait a minute, can we talk on Gail and Oprah for a minute? And how that triggered a response from the Black community, bringing up the point of how Oprah and Gail treat Black people in the media 
and how they present black people in their interviews and they don't do the same or hold the same accountability right, to right. their white friends. Right. Mm-hmm. There's right. no accountability for the There's president. No accountability. There's no accountability exactly. for Weinstein. You know, like so. So, so from the outside, like, it looks like it. It it does give the and it could be. It could be. It could not. I mean, it could be richer people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they Snoop got money, but he don't got Oprah money. Right, you know, right. so is so it, it's like you see where the anger is stemming from because uh-huh. it's just like, why is it you keep do you want to you guys want to keep doing all these pieces on all these black men, but yet in the media, like stuff is happening in the media with all these white men who are actually going to court and having you know judgments and court cases for actual stuff and actual accusers. Mm-hmm. Are coming forward with these white men, but you're not doing interviews with their accusers. Like right. Oprah, you did a whole special on Michael Jackson, and the man has been dead right. for almost ten years, and you called him your friend. Mm-hmm. You you did a whole special with his accusers. Then you wanted to go off and do a special on Russell Simmons. And now, Gail, you're doing this. Okay, everybody knew about R. Kelly. Look, that, that ain't nothing. Now, that's his legacy. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody knew about she R. Kelly. Up when, but, when she did it with Russell Simmons, because he's still alive, and he still had enough ammo to drag her, which is what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, when he put his, because he still has a respectable voice in the culture. Mm-hmm. When he put out his two cents, people start catching on. When Russell Simmons put out that statement, that's when really people actually started to like really observe what was going on with Oprah and I guess now Gail too, who are like mm-hmm. strictly linked for better or worse now. But right. like, I have a story about Gail. Um, I don't know if y'all remember Charlie Rose. Back in 2013, was like her CBS co-anchor. Yeah, yeah, he had like dozens of women, like dozens, like over 30 women accused him of sexual uh, misconduct and and at, at work. I remember that him and Matt Lawyer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, what about mm-hmm. Matt Lauer? Like oh, he's yeah. on. He was on um, what's it called? Good Morning good America, Day. whatever. Yeah, good morning, yeah, one of them good good shows for years. Yeah, but and ended up getting fired for you know being accused of sexual misconduct or whatever, and nobody has ran a story on him. Mm-hmm. And he was there for years, like. So why is it nobody's done a story on him or Harvey Weinstein or any of these white men? But see, that's the thing. And, and, and that's why people are upset because my thing is, as I brought up that word earlier of journalistic integrity. Right. And if you are a person in journalism where you are going to cultivate public trust, where you are going to be truthful and fair and, and be about integrity and independence and holding accountability and asking those hard questions to make people be accountable. If that is what you are standing on as a journalist, as a person in this business, you are known to be that person. So why is it different for people that look like you? And I think at the end of the day that it does come down to the fact that I think that money has a lot to do with it. I think that um, there are certain people that are in certain spaces that people that look like us don't have access to that they have and that they've gained access to over the years. And I think it's easier for them, we we have mentioned uh, uh, on our last episode when we were talking, and we said a lot when we we're talking about uh, Lonnie Love of how she projects her feelings based on her. Right. I think mm-hmm. that that's the same for Oprah. It's no secret that she's been hurt in her life by men and her family. And I think that she projects that to a point and how she treats black men. Mm-hmm. Through her, if you think about it, you get what I'm saying. 
because mm-hmm. you're you're taking something that's so personal to you and the only people that you're holding accountable are black men right because she's been the person that's been abused she's been the person that's been molested or you know all of these things so this issue is very close to her the next thing is you get on the news and you're talking about Gail like, oh, she's not doing well. She's upset and people are fighting, you know, or people are threatening her. I don't want I would never. I think that's bad. You know, I'm I'm sorry that Gail felt that way. But you also can't you're connected to Gail and you can feel that hurt. But you can't see the hurt of a whole race of people right. that you represent that are looking at you like what's up with y'all mm-hmm. like it don't never click with y'all to say what's up with y'all it like, you don't get there's it there's are people out there that it just doesn't it doesn't click it like, just doesn't click it doesn't click and it's like you know it, we have a right to be mad about that so I think that again I'm not agreeing with the method but I do understand with someone like Snoop or any other black man because Snoop ain't the only one that I heard you know, over that, over the course of the week or two, calling her, uh, uh, you know, a B, and still, guys, still referring to her as that, and still going to refer to her as that, because now, like Nikki said, you have somebody that's a voice of the culture that's alerted you to it, right? That's letting you know, like, hey, what's up with you? So now people are paying attention, which now we can slide into the next part of this, which is Monique. Now, we talked about this issue with Monique before, but Monique has made it a point over the last week or so to pen an open IG letter to Oprah um, expressing, you know, her thoughts. It's still singing the same old song. And again, you got to be living under a rock not to know how Monique feels about Oprah. But Monique has very personal reasons why she feels the way that she feels about Oprah. So Mm -hmm. she's also taking this opportunity to basically say, like, hey, I've been telling y'all. Look, the lady eh, does this. Eh, the Monique lady does has this. her own issues. She has her own issues. Whatever. So I, right. my thing is Monique has not said, okay, maybe I did not handle this a certain way, or maybe mm-hmm. I was maybe I was expecting something, but nobody has to do anything for you if you don't hold up your end of the bargain. Exactly. And my thing with Monique is that Monique, she, according to three people, I mean, okay, Lee, Tyler, Oprah, she did not hold up her end of the bargain. Oh, you're talking about that. I thought you were. I mean, that's why she's still. That's that's, with Oprah, though. Her beef with Oprah is the show when she brought her parents. Oh, when she brought her parents and her brother. Yeah. So I think think that the point goes back to that. Well, I wasn't working for. Harpo, I didn't have to do any work for them. I didn't have to go out. And she always circles back to that, too, is that she didn't have to do any promotion for them because she wasn't working for them. Well, the point that I'm bringing Monique into this about is because Monique, <laughs> I, I got my own issue with Monique and I, and I won't, it, it's not a secret about that either. I don't completely ride with her on this issue and I'll be clear about that. But the reason why I'm bringing Monique up now is because Monique's timing is impeccable. Every opportunity she gets to have that lady name on her tongue, that lady name is on her tongue. Right. She keeps speaking about Oprah. So after all of this has gone, all of this is going on, in the midst of this going on, here she comes. This open letter. And then, was it, last night or night before last, she posted the, the clip um, when Tony Braxton was on Oprah's show and how she kind of railroaded her. So mm-hmm. again, like Nikki was saying, you know, her issue with Oprah stems back to when she first came on the scene and she was a guest on Oprah's show. Monique also being a victim, you know, of, of some of these same things, felt like she was railroaded by Oprah after Oprah told her that she wouldn't do something. So that issue goes deep. That really has nothing to do with this. But bringing back to the point that Monique also took the opportunity to sing her song again. She can keep singing can't her stop. song. Can't stop, won't I stop. Don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not listening to her singing. I'm anymore. not listening to that song. she got her own, you know, she got her own stuff that she needs to deal with. And she but this continues is also to something... point her finger, you know, when, she, you know, you point yeah. your fingers at other people and you got them other fingers pointing back at, pointing you, back at you. So, But this is know. also the point to say that it's things like her, 
things like this and situations like that that inflame the passions of the people. So this something like that, you know, you have all these things going on and then you have yet another person jumping on top of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, see. I've been saying this. I've been saying that. Yeah, so but all I mean, of people got a whole lot on. to say about Monique, too. And they being yeah. quiet, you know, they could she ain't definitely... even the topic of conversation. I was just, <laughs> you know, she's not even the topic of conversation. I was just saying in, in the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was impeccable. And, you know, that helped inflame the passions of the people and how they are now talking about Oprah and Gail and the fact of how you know, in their placement and all of this and why people are so upset, especially black men. So now we get to the end of this and now we're at Snoop's response and apology. So yesterday he posted a video um, with an apology saying he talked to his mom. I guess he went to his mama house. His mama gave him a piece of her mind and he felt like he needed to make a public apology. And he did that. Now, sincerity of it or you know if it was genuine whatever who knows i guess it just depends on who's listening but what did you guys think about the apology <sighs> disappointed actually like really when i know if they meant what they said like i you said what i said i'm tired of people apologizing when i know they meant what they said right they said right um I don't feel like, I feel like most apologies are forced as a celebrity because you have handlers, you have people you have to answer to. As rich and as famous as Snoop is, he has people he has to answer to. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, yeah, he shouldn't have said it. He basically, okay, we can't take it back. He basically vomited and stepped back into his own vomit, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm really annoyed because they're turning this entire uh, Kobe situation into something that it isn't. Right. And we're straying further and further away from empathy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A different conversation because I feel like we're jaded people now. I feel like we don't feel comfortable staying in a place of empathy and compassion. We have to move it to something more salacious I don't think sadly I don't know if black people have empathy and compassion anymore you know I think it's not it's not taught it's not whatever we we definitely come from a place of anger first we don't come from a let me put myself in that person's shoes before Mm. I go here no, my first reaction to it is to be mad at you and not to sit in that place and have compassion or empathy for you or try to feel what you're feeling or, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just the world we live in. Maybe it's not just black people, uh, but we have to do something better. So we're not apologizing that we're not stepping back into our vomit because... Right. You know, this is this is not the first time. It's just this is what we're talking about right now. You know, right? Like, and I and I agree. I feel like you said what you said. Like I tell anybody, I said what I said. Right. Yeah. I said what I said. Now, like I said, what did do? I feel like it was disrespectful. Absolutely. When he said it, I was like, "Dag, Snoop." But right. I ain't gonna lie. I laughed. I thought it was funny. Right. Because I understood where he was coming from. Right. And and and, and I, the, I I kind of and that's where I think that was part of the reason why he apologized. Because I'm kind of half and half on his apology. Mm-hmm. Because for one, I feel like he apologized because he has a wife, he has daughters, and he wouldn't want a man disrespecting them sure. that way. And also what Nikki said, like he has handlers. Mm-hmm. So he has to conduct himself a certain way in the entertainment right especially when he works with somebody like martha stewart you can't be messing with martha stewart people because that's a whole bunch of white people that are now watching vh1 to see what snoop and martha are doing if they're mad at snoop they're not turning on vh1 so you're losing viewership and you're doing whatever Um, but then on the other hand i kind of feel like he really he really only apologized because his handlers told him to. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm I'm really like on a fence about it because like I said, like he really didn't he really only wanted to apologize just for the name that he called her. 
I really don't feel like you know he really meant to call. Well, he her, did say you know, you know like I didn't I didn't mean to threaten her. It wasn't real. It wasn't real threat of violence. Yeah. But you have to know so, that when you say, you know, we're gonna shut you up. What that means, like that's yeah. Well, it's all like the day. Uh, yeah, but I know what that means. You if you want to tell me, I'm gonna pull up say on that you. to your wife right. or your daughter, right? And because then it's like, okay, like that can that that literally puts you on edge if you say that to somebody's wife. And clearly, daughter. unfortunately, there are people that are not of a sound mind that clearly took his words and threatened Gail. Which it was mm-hmm. not necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like Nikki said, like his handlers could have been like, "Look, you know, this could potentially evolve, could erupt into a lawsuit. Something mm-hmm. like, especially if something happens to her, somebody could be, she could sue you and be like, well, look, you said there, said this, so now these people are coming to threaten me, or now these people are threatening my life because of what you said.'" So he had to go uh, go out and make this public apology. Well, yeah, I, I agree, you know, with with all those points. And I think that he ended it well by saying, you know, hey, hopefully you and I, we can touch base and we can talk offline. I do think that maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had behind the scenes. So ultimately, this thing unfolded. It got a little messy in the middle. Um, it looks like it might have a good ending. So we're just going to leave it there. So we are running out of time. But very quickly, I do want to touch on something else that um happened over this past week that I, I i feel very good about and i know that there are some very varying opinions on this but also if you've been under a rock you would have missed that Dwayne wade um and gabrielle union and their support for an acceptance of his son who's now his son zion who's now called zaya um if you know anything about this situation, you know that um, his son last year, was it last year or year before his son came out as, um, was it gay? Yeah, he was gay. Yeah. Um, And I know that there was a lot of controversy on how they, how he went to a gay pride uh, parade and how they went together, supported him. Yeah. So fast forward, um, Dwayne Wade uh, came out and said that, uh, his son Zion now Zaya came home and told them that yeah, you they know, posted that wonderful video of her yeah, talking. That he came home and yeah. said that, "Hey, I want to live my truth. I'm ready. You know, I'm, I want to talk to you guys. I'm ready to live my truth. I want to be referred as she and her, and I would love for you guys to call me Zaya." Now, the reason why this makes me feel really good is because of the way that. Dwayne Wade especially handles this situation. There are so many homophobic black men in this in Transphobic this everything. Transphobic yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. And he looks beyond what his son is going through to say, at the end of the day, you're my child. I don't care who and what you are. I love you. And if you can't go anywhere else to feel love and support, you are going to find it here. That is the one thing that so many people are missing. And I don't, I'll be honest. And, you know, I have friends that are a part of LGBTQ. I don't know the rest of the letters community. Um, and I, and I'm very forward with them and saying that, Hey, I don't know everything. I don't know how to be PC in your community because I don't know your your references, your lingo, you know, what you're going through because that's not who I am. But I am open enough as your friend or as your family member to be open to you showing me or teaching right. me because at the end of the day, your preference is your preference. Whether I agree with it, whether I live my life that way and I don't, I want you to feel supported by me if I right. love you. And there's so many things. I think there's so many nuances. Like, I was getting into arguments with people this week when they were like, um, well, she was gay before and now she's transitioning. Um, I don't understand, you know, why they just leave stuff alone or who's paying them to do this. And I know a lot of people that were shunned by their family who don't speak Mm -hmm. to their immediate family anymore because they decided, well, I'm, I'm homosexual. Right. 
grandmother, mother, father, whatever, kick them out homeless mm-hmm. because they knew at at 12 okay well okay when I look at a girl a girl doesn't give me the butterflies in my stomach I know that boys do right and you know I think that's important because if they were like no or you know no we sending you back to your mom your mom can't handle it your mom can't handle it they're putting her in much more danger because they end up homeless like my mom used to work with a trans population in philadelphia of people that were homeless and they turned to drugs they turned to sex work they turned to all kinds of things to make ends meet because they don't have anywhere loving to go so this is a big deal especially in the african-american community because Mm -hmm. we are good for being like god don't like that let it go you know Mm -hmm. so this is a big Mm -hmm. deal Regardless of if people like it or not, um, it's going to make a difference in her life in the long run because she's got love from her dad and her stepmom and hopefully from her biological mom. So, and can I say, like, the, the one main thing that this tragedy of Kobe Bryant taught us is to love the people in your family while they are still here because tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. But tomorrow is not whether you're 13, whether you're 41, whether you're 5, whether you're 80. Tomorrow is not promised. So love and accept the people in your life while they are still here. Yes. And that's exactly what they are doing. They are accepting that child for who she is. And loving that child for who she is. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, one thing that uh, Dwayne Wade has has been consistent in saying is that he takes his role and responsibility as a parent very seriously. Mm -hmm. And so... Because he takes it that's because he takes it so seriously, nothing changes, you know, with his love. Nothing changes with his responsibility. And he's like, the only thing that I have to do is get smarter and educate myself more because it is something that a lot of us don't understand. And I think that um, that is very for for us to live in a world that is so judgmental and so mean. I think that them being holding space for Zaya to be who she is that's a big thing and uh and i've and i've heard so many negative things about this i've heard you know many guys oh it wouldn't be my son it wouldn't be this it wouldn't be that i was like so what do you do when your child comes to you and they have the confidence at that moment to come to you and say that this is who i am so Mm -hmm. wise in her words like if a child if a child comes to you with that confidence what are you going to do it's like, how do you, how do you, if, if your child don't have nobody else, they got to have you. Exactly. Because if and they don't if, have you, let me tell you, they're going to go out there, they're going to find They're going to go pimp, and they're going to find you and find someone a, else. They're going to find a drug dealer. They're going to find someone mm-hmm. else and, and their life is ruined because they didn't find you. And then that, that road back is a long road back once you mm-hmm. get addicted to whatever. They're, they're going to replace you with something that could potentially kill right. you. Right. So then what do you do? When you, when, you lose, when you lose that physical body because you couldn't handle it, then what do you do? Then you shoulda, coulda, woulda. You, you shoulda from the start. I know when I do um, trainings on, uh, I've done trainings on diversity and inclusion, and there's an activity that I do with the group called The, P- the Person I Least Like to Be. And I set out different profiles around the room where the attendees have to walk around the room, read all the profiles, and then go stand next to the profile of the person that they would least like to be. Now, all these profiles, it could be like maybe six or seven profiles. I come up with different profiles every time I've done the training. But every profile, each profile, that person has a problem. So it's basically saying, which one of these problems <laughs> do I, would I least like to deal with out of all these problems? And one of the profiles, I always put that there's a closeted, um, closeted gay person that can't reveal themselves to their family. Um, um, they're, they're in college, their uh, family supports them, or they work at a job where 
you know, and they're supported by their family. But if they find out that, if their family finds out that they're closeted or that they're gay or, you know, lesbian, that they'll no longer be supported. And you'd be surprised the amount of people that go and stand by that one. And I always ask, once everyone stands where they're going to stand, I always go around the room and say, explain to, to explain to the class why you stood at that spot. And the answer is always consistent for the people to stand in that spot. And it's that I don't, I would hate to be living a life where I can't be myself. That's miserable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be in a world where you don't feel free or you don't feel like you can be yourself. So the fact that Zaya can come out and say, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is how you can support me and actually have a family that supports him, supports her, excuse me. That is golden. <laughs> and a lot of people aren't getting that. So I just thought that, you know, it was something that has been on the news and people have had their negative things to say about Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. Um, and also his, uh, her older brother, uh, yeah, Zaire. Zaire, he had time. I saw him he in, had a couple of, <laughs> in a couple of Instagram posts. Like y'all think that I'm not going to support my sister. You know, I loved her from day one and like, I was just like, okay, Zaire, you got time today. He was, he was definitely clapping back at people. Like I have time today and this, we not, we not about to do this. Like, you know, yeah. So any thoughts on this, Nikki? Uh yeah. <laughs> uh, I think she's in a really good position that um she is kinda um well privileged that she can yeah. come from an environment where she's not um gonna be put in direct harm. I'm not of course from the outside world, yeah, from the world this is they're um, on a grand scale letting the world know that, you know, this is our family, this is our daughter, and this is her situation. So the world is going to know that, but at on a micro level, they probably go, she probably goes to a school that's, you know, probably liberal, mm-hmm. probably where they have rules where they can't, you know, protections and things where no physical harm can probably come to her. Right. So I'm wondering, like, how much of, like, or we're saying, like, a lot of the backlash from fathers and about their sons, and we know that's absolutely unacceptable and that they mm-hmm. should, you know, have, you know, uh, courage, basically. But I just wonder how much of that is fear, just fear of, you know, what their child will experience that's no excuse because you should be there for your child but I'm just wondering like I'm just looking juxtaposing the two two different environments and say that uh, Zaya is a kid who lives in southeast Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. like how much different would her life be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Would it I mean, be better, there's better a couple of um Around here where I live, there are a couple of individuals transitioning in the high school, um, and it's a public high school, and they have been okay with it. Um, you know, I haven't heard of anything and of anybody physically harming any of them, um, you know, but they have gender, you know, gender neutral bathrooms and things like that. Um, I just think times are changing. So it is, you know, um, I think it's also important to highlight the fact that although, you know, Dwayne Wade is very open and very liberal on this right now, he hasn't always been. And he's been open about that and saying that he had to unlearn patterns and prejudices that he had in his own life growing up. And he had to look at himself and say, you know, what if this is my son? What if he's like, he noticed very early on when he was a baby that he wasn't on the same boy vibe as his older son. Right. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, he had always grown up thinking this way, but as, as his growth as a parent and having to deal with a child that comes to you and says, Hey, I'm gay. Hey, I'm trying to say, how do you know, how do you know 
um, what you like or what you feel. You know that right off the bat. You know very early. And just like someone, I think someone very ignorant had made a point to say, because I've seen many posts about this on Facebook, just kind of scanning um, comments and people are like, you know, that's too young to introduce to a child. I was like, children very young know what they like. You knew that you like boys when you were in the first grade. Exactly. You had you a know, little so in, in kindergarten. Be, in kindergarten, you know what you like. In kindergarten, you, know, you, might you not was be kissing, you was playing house. You know, when yeah. you play house, but your house you may not, your house you may not be able Right. You may not be able to identify all those feelings. You can't. Right. You can't unpack all those feelings right. at that age. But you have an inkling to what you like, and as you get older, you know. But again, like Nikki was saying, you know, and he he Zaya Zaya is afforded an opportunity in this that a lot of people don't have, and is a very privileged way about it. But what I do also think is because of someone like the way. Um, and his his background and, and being in basketball and having the connections with the with his fans that he does, I think that they're a good example of how to start those conversations to say, listen, at the end of the day, to still your child. It doesn't change your responsibility. It doesn't change your love. That's your kid. So what do you do? And is it's a very hard it's a very hard line, a hard turn to make. Because you have some people that are dead set against it and are always going to have something negative to say. But I think that that harps on a different conversation of how, as a community, there are some things we do not create space for. Right. And this is one of those things. And I'm not going to... Go I'm sorry. I would expand that past Black people... Because, I mean, we're not the ones that's, like, making laws. True. Not making room for people. So, like, this is a, pre- a prevalent issue with our culture as a whole. It is. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just in general, and speaking about our culture specifically, I mean, you are, this is a global issue, you know, across all races. But I'm just saying for our, for our, for our people in particular, there are many things we don't make space for in our community as Black people. And this is one of those things. And I've honestly, I've seen more, especially on this particular issue, I've seen more black people say the most negative and ignorant ugh, things ugh. about this. And I think it's only solely because it's D-Wade. Because this is a black family. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. It's, it's certain things that have flown under the radar. Sade's son transitioned. Nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cher and Sonny, their daughter... Uh, R. Kelly's daughter. Yeah, she. Tra- it, if it flies under the radar, then nobody's gonna say anything. But because I think the only they're reason, vocal the only about it, is that's that's why they're they're saying something. Right. The only one I've really heard who got a lot of noise was Magic Johnson. Something. He's not transitioning. Now. He's gender nonconforming. So that's okay. something uh, completely different. Uh, EJ is just EJ. So, <laughs> and I, I think EJ. you know, you know, I honestly, EJ, I think this is so. a bigger, I think this is a bigger conversation to have. Um, maybe even would be worth of getting someone on here because I'm, I, like I said, I, I don't know <laughs> all these lingos and I don't know, you know, how to be PC in this, uh, in that community. There are a lot of things I don't understand, and and and, and this might sound real like real commercial but I really didn't get a full scope of how of of the of the real struggle until I watched Pose and if anybody has watched Pose um or anyone that's listening that's not familiar with Pose it's a show that comes on FX that talks uh, that deals with the ballroom culture of the gay community back in the 80s when AIDS hit when you know this is really a, yeah, a very big, very taboo thing yeah pre, you know before pre-op and all that before other pre-op stuff, all like, these things yeah and and mm-hmm. and i have a gay friend of mine who asked me had i watched the show and i said no i haven't really watched it and he said to me he was like you should really watch it because um it just reminds me so much of what i went through mm. when i came out with my family and and he'll tell he's he's very transparent about the fact that him and his mom still have a very volatile relationship and and a lot of it has to do with that to him coming out but it wasn't until he told me to watch 
And I watched it and just watching it, it gave me a whole different perspective. And I realized at that moment that I probably hadn't been the best friend to him because there were things that he would try to talk to me about. I would listen to him as a friend, but I never connected to it because that's not my life. I don't identify with what you're talking about. So I can honestly say that, yes, I'm listening to you. Yes, I can give you generic advice, but because I'm not connected to something that interests me or something that I understand, I'm not connecting myself to it. And it wasn't until, honestly, until I watched that show, because I'm an empathetic person. So I can always empathize with someone if someone's showing me something. So once I watch that show and I'm empathizing with these characters and I'm like, wow, that's tough. I had a different eye for him. So, you know, I think that there are just situations and I think that D-Way has gone through this. You know, you grow up thinking a certain thing. And then something happens directly to you or someone enlightens you to something or somebody brings something to your attention. And then you got a whole different viewpoint. You got a different set of glasses now. So this is one of those things that whether people like it or not, whether you support it or not, whether you are interested or not, it's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. It's happening. And this community wants a voice. They are forcing their way. They are kicking the door in. So it's happening, and I think it's worth people having conversation enough about it to say, maybe I should pay attention a little more. Right. This could be my daughter. This could but be I'm, my son. Unfortunately, I mean, like, I got into this um, with this woman, and I was like, you know, it has to do with her gender identity, not her sexuality. She mm-hmm. hasn't had sex yet. She's only 12. And they were like, well, I said what I said. You know, it's wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. You're just gen- like... I don't feel like thinking. It's like, you know, I'm like, her gender has nothing to do with if, if, you know, I mean, I guess it is like so complicated. So, you know, you can be one gender or not a gender if you don't want to and never have sex with anybody. That's what people don't understand. So if I decide that I want to be pansexual and not have sex with anybody anymore, Mm -hmm. that's not going to affect my gender. Like I'm gonna right. still be, I'm gonna still be female facing, but not want to interact with people in that way. Like you know, it's just I think it's just too much for people to comprehend. Um, it's not too much. It's just that they don't want to comprehend. Right. They don't want to take the time to understand. You know. Well, I think that's a bigger conversation, and I think that at some point, um, it might even be worth having someone that's a part of the community one. They kind of give us the tea on how to 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 understand because I know it would be useful to me because I don't want to be offensive to anybody. And I hope that anybody listening hasn't been offended by anything that we said or saying the wrong thing on this episode tonight. But I do think it is worth a conversation. And I think that um, sometimes it helps for people to have some insight not to change your mind, not to make you okay with it if you just don't support it, but just so that we can start making space for even to understand somebody or even to let people be who they're going to be. Right. You know? Because unfortunately, I mean, these people are already in our in, in our workforce and our whatever. We just don't know it. And mm-hmm. we say things or we do things to make them not feel welcome and then they don't participate or they don't open right. up. So you're losing out on a, a coworker. You're losing out on a friend because you say something derogatory about trans people, or you make fun of Laverne Cox, or you use the wrong pronouns, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Well, I can't. That person is not a safe place for me because they they don't want to." And you miss out because they're still human. So I just think we need to, um, just like you said, make space for these individuals that are different than us and just to educate ourselves about what the terms are and um, you know not be so rigid in our thinking I I think that's the biggest problem is that we tend to be very firm in what we believe closed minded yeah Mm -hmm. well I think we had a good conversation any closing thoughts from anybody Nikki Nye no, girl, I'm good. 
All right. Well, as usual, it has been a great conversation. We always like to provoke thought on your favorite cousins. So we're going to catch you back next week. Join us again. We're going to talk about more trending topics and try to get those thoughts moving. Talk about something funny. Talk about family. Who knows? You got to join us to see. So this is a pleasure talking to you ladies. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook, Your Favorite Cousins, or send us an email if there's something you want to hear us talk about your favorite cousins at gmail.com and maybe next episode we'll discuss your topic have a good evening good night good night